0: Down to business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk.
1: Now we'll do that analysis I told you about of the business stories and indeed some other stories uh, making uh, the headlines in print and online. I'm delighted to be joined by Louisa Meehan. She's the owner of the Woodview HRM and Conor Faulkner, the CEO at the Royal Irish Automobile Club, commonly known as the RAAC uh, and a motoring commentator. You're both very welcome to the programme.
2: Good morning. Now, we'll start
1: with uh, Supermax. Um, Pat McDonough making the headlines uh, in today's Irish Independent Connor.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is an extraordinary one it's, and it is a huge story. I'd say it's the biggest story we're going to be talking about, Bobby, and it's not just business. Um, this follows on from the RTE Investigates thing and it's essentially about um, misuse of the planning system and ransom um, planning objectives. Um, now, our, uh, now, we all know about... Um, uh, some of these stories that have gone back and the, the RTE story I think was quite shocking but Pat mcDonald 's on the front page of the Indo today um, and we know Pat of old he's a fantastic success with Supermax and I first encountered him when he was campaigning against compo culture yeah, uh, which was kind of my wheelhouse Something as well. Something he's done for decades. He's been brilliant on yeah. it. Absolutely brilliant on it. And you know there have been improvements there. I was seeing it from the perspective of motorists and the insurance companies but we all know what the compo culture was like um, and Pat says that these planning um objectors, uh, literally putting in objections for ransom is the new compo culture. Um, And it seems like the old compo culture that there's no real handle on it. It's very hard to legislate against out-and-out bad faith. Um, But we're seeing examples of it, examples of a local politician trying to essentially scam a developer for half a million. Um, And developers, you know, sometimes people don't like them, but they're just having to cost it in. Uh, I'm, I remember being said many years ago that you know colonial Brits would cost in the cost of bribery in Africa and be able to deduct it against tax. The punter um, pays. The punter pays. And, and, you know, and we, we, we literally have uh, ransoms being paid by developers who feel they've little or no choice. Um, um, and
1: it, it's shocking altogether, really. Louisa, um, your analysis of this story?
2: I think, you know, a lot of what has said is, is true and I think it it is really shocking. It's really upsetting that this is happening and it's impacting on the likes of first-time buyers and, and all house purchasing throughout the country. But what I thought was quite... Um Curious was one of the comments in relation to revenue that revenue commissioners have pointed out that go away payments are liable for tax. Now, revenue knowing about bribery payments, I think, is quite an interesting concept. But clearly, if you are in receipt of bribery payments, please declare them to tax before the whistleblowers come in and declare them for you. Yeah. Not a problem I myself have, um, but I, I think it's it's something that we have to address. And as is pointed out again by Pat McDonough is There are situations, if you're a developer or, you know, even the county councils where they're improving roads, et cetera, where landowners, house owners are negatively impacted. And it is absolutely fine to compensate for those impacts, but it is not Mm. okay to give somebody a 500,000 cash bonus. I
1: thought it was in true true Pat McDonough style. He said that, you know, he didn't mind helping people out. And he said, in one case, a guy wanted new windows. Mm. (laughs) because he felt there would be noise so he paid for that mind you he never bought the new window <laughs> yeah, I they think Pat
2: did go into the guards to try and get that sorted out and they were told he was told it was a bit too late um,
0: One of the things in the story the Minister Darrell O'Brien apparently said that we don't need new legislation um, I'm not convinced of that I yeah. think the loopholes are just gaping wide uh, and to some degree it's it's a fraudster's charter it's a chancellor's charter yeah. um, and, and I do think we, we we have to look at that they're, they're, they're a bit of creativity there have to be ways and means of discouraging we tackled compo culture it's not fixed but you know it's a good deal better than it used to be and, and I think with a bit of creativity and yeah. legislative initiative we can probably fix this we shouldn't be like um, and,
1: and what these objectors can do is it's, it's really time is the enemy here because they they say to you that I can if I eject it's going to delay Port Panola is behind they're meant yeah. to deliver within so many weeks and they're behind so You know, an objector that won't withdraw an objection could hold up a project for two years. And, and even when
0: they're well-meant, you know, yeah. I really sincerely care about these snails in the environment or whatever it might be. Even when they're very sincere, the upshot across the country is the delay and the delay is killing us. Yeah. It takes us 30 years to build a motorway. We know we need housing. We know we need infrastructure. We know we need to improve our urban centres and everything we want to do is frustrated, it seems, by a minimum of years just by any objector. I okay. know that there's people
1: scamming that for cash
0: is deep going. Like
1: okay. Louisa, um, some challenges to the Irish banks. Uh, savings lowest in three years. Inflation forcing piece, people uh, to spend. I'll come on to the Irish banks in a minute and the deposit rates. But before that, we are seeing um, people being forced to spend savings. Uh, we had built up a huge uh, nest egg. I believe it was 150 billion of household savings. Yeah. Um, and inflation is 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 basically putting pressure uh, on that and people are starting to spend uh, money they say,
2: Look, I think so. And I think this is a be aware, not be worried story. Um, you know, we're talking about a drop in your, the savings rate uh, from last year to this year of somewhere between up to 24%, it says, down to around 9.6% on average. But that 9.6% is still working out at 3.6 billion. We are still in a position where households have the ability to save and to save quite significant amounts of money. The challenge here is that when you're dipping into your savings or you're saving less money, it's nice to do so because you're doing nice things like the holidays or improving your cars or improving your house or investing in developments and what have you. The issue here is that actually people are dipping into that, um, I suppose that savings rate to pay for food, energy, mortgages, the yeah. basics, and that's that's the concerning element of it. Overall, we're still saving. Overall, it's still a positive story, but it is something that we need to watch. And Connor,
1: speaking of savings, if we look at these companies like Bond. Mm. Coming into the marketplace now um you know really, the banks have not passed on uh the central bank the central european bank uh interest rate gain that they 've got like we they're just not you get nothing on your deposit. you 're getting
0: nothing on in deposit. a current
1: account or even in a in, in a regular deposit account.
0: You're, you're getting nothing on deposit and in fact counting infl- inflation and you're actually losing it and that might be a contributor to why people are spending a bit more. Also pre-pandemic uh, patterns emerging but on the bank side um, hopefully this is a good European competition story but there's a Dutch outfit called bunk. I only. vaguely new of them, I have to say. Um, But they offer deposit accounts to Irish uh, depositors and they're paying interest of 2.46%. Now that is 10 times better than the best on the Irish market, which seems nuts. We were talking about it earlier. Irish consumers have got a about a hundred and fifty billion, hundred and fifty-two billion saved in the banks, um, but very little of that is is in proper deposit accounts. Mostly, it's in our overnight accounts. Yeah, which is to say your regular current account. Ninety-four out of percent comes, of it. Yeah, is in out our of regular which comes accounts. your mortgage. That's what you know mm. when you tap for your yeah. for your groceries, and your money just tends to sit there. A little more than you need is the pattern in Ireland, and what do the Irish banks do with that? Well, they give you nothing. They give you the overnight liquidity rate, which is the the lowest lowest rate that yeah. exists in banks. Banking, um, whereas there's scope there to give the consumer more. Um, so, hopefully, this will be a little bit of a competitive factor that will encourage Irish banks to get the finger out and essentially give us back some of that free cash uh, that, that rising European interest rates has given them.
1: Yeah. Um, Louisa, uh, interesting uh, corporate story uh, around uh, McKillen's snap up outlets of Fast Fix and First Top Chains. This is basically. A story that's gone full circle because it is um, they were the original uh, operators in this space.
2: Yeah, look, this is actually a really nice family business story. And yeah. Paddy McKillan, who was the, the the founder of it, um, started yeah. the senior person, DC Exhaust, he's, he is now passed. His son um, has been heavily involved in um, Atlas Auto Service Group and it's Atlo Auto. I'm oh, sorry, Atlas Auto Service Group that are now buying 18 of the fast fit and first stop stores. And it's John's daughter, Chloe, who is Paddy's granddaughter, who is the managing director of the company. So you can see the multi-generational piece here coming through and Chloe talking about the importance of bringing it back into the family business because of her grandfather had set it up. I think, you know, looking at this as a small business owner, it's really good in terms of efficiencies. Now they're going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest car servicing chain across Ireland, which is brilliant. That will bring along um, efficiencies, cost savings for them. But when you reduce... Um, the opportunity for competition that can have a negative impact yeah. on consumers too. And Connor, this is an interesting business, isn't it? Yeah, like it the is.
1: service that they provide around tyres, exhausts, yeah, radiators. Now you know, and 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 they are a one-stop shop.
0: Yeah, and, it, and it's handy. Look, we've over two and a half million um, motorists in Ireland. That's an awful lot of stuff to be serviced and looked after. Um, you would think that that might diminish because with the you know increasing arrival of electric cars, there are fewer oily and messy bits, um, but they do go through tyres. Electric cars are heavier than On the internal combustion engines, so they will go through tyres. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's canny, and I think knowing the McKillens, um by reputation, I would think they will apply to it a tremendous amount of work ethic and a, and a great deal of nows, uh, not to mention a, a very useful war chest should they need to call upon it. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they made a great success of it. And right. good luck to them. Not the only really lovely family story yeah. in, in, amongst them today, uh, but great to hear of, of really successful Irish family businesses.
1: And when we're staying on the family, we'll let you continue, Conor, on the, the secret of Smith's turned a Mayo shop into a global toy titan. And this is obviously the chain of uh, toy shops, Smith's Toys. That uh, not a lot is known about these people, but uh, they are—they are a big, big business.
0: It's sensational, and I'd I say I'm learning. I did not know this. Uh, there's a wonderful piece in the Independent today. It's a feature by Kim Bielenberg, who does write good stuff, and he's on the business pages today. And it's about Smith's toy superstores. And uh, now full disclosure here: I was convinced. That was a British chain, to the point where I even vaguely threw, rolled my eyes when the, you hear the jingle being sung in a British accent. I did not know that this enormous, that the world's leading chain of toy stores with a, a re- revenue last year of one point three eight. Billion yeah. um, was actually founded uh, above the shop in the main street of Claremorris, County Mayo, yeah. uh, by an Irish family, uh, by you know Paddy and Bridie and their four sons, uh, and they you know began uh, trading there. Obviously showed incredible commercial now over the last 30 years or so and they've got 266 million in Irish revenues they have stores in Ireland and the UK they acquired some stores in Germany and everybody in the toy industry according to this article says um, that they're really intelligent they know their planning they see around corners they get ahead of the curve And yeah. um, one of the sons Porig is is known internationally as one of the canniest trend spotting toy buyers in the world yeah. um, and, and and yet they are
1: Utterly anonymous. Well, isn't it great to celebrate that we're here this morning, Louisa? Again, another family business.
2: It's a really lovely, lovely story to read. Um, They're in business for 30 years and I think it's incredible the way that they are an integral part of the communities that they live in. So clearly they're very well known within their local communities. But yet when it comes to PR um, and dealing with people, I suppose, at a, at a more national level, they're incredibly private. And I think it's just important um, here because, as was pointed out, there are four brothers who have been leading this. Anthony, who's the managing director at Pork, who's the buyer, Thomas, and Liam, who has sadly passed away this year at the age of 60 from cancer. And that's a devastating hit for any family. So as we're all celebrating Christmas and enjoying going into Smith's um, and maybe not enjoying it to buy <laughs> to buy what we need to buy. Um, it's important to just, I suppose, say rest in peace to Liam and um, yeah, thank right. you to the family for what they've done yeah. for Ireland. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's where
1: maybe Santa does some shopping there as well. Uh, what about the Scandinavian influence on the Irish retail landscape, uh, Connor? Yeah. Uh, we, we had IKEa's figures out earlier in the week. Again, you know their Irish store being their best in Europe. yeah uh, amazing figures from there. But you've also got this company, Yisk, uh, uh, which is a a, a Danish company. Mm. but again in that style, uh, uh, what we would consider Scandi. You yeah. know, if, you, if, if film
0: noir Scandi yeah. is, is a movie style, then the sort of IKEA come Yisk is... Um, look, the Scandinavians are known for really clever, intelligent design. Apparently, it evolves from them living in relatively small spaces. Um, uh, but Danish design is always kind of thought of as classical and elegant. Um, and I'm learning today, Bobby. I'm learning a lot. Apparently, IKEA's um, key strength is its, its modularity. And uh, there's a standardisation to IKEA. So people enjoy the day out IKEA experience. Yisk yeah. apparently is a little bit more boutique. It's a little bit more trend reactive, and they like a lot Shorted of seasonality. Times. Yeah, yeah, and, and seasonality. And they have a lot of small local shops where people will pop into. And um, so me and my sort of bewildered uh, non design eye see it all as sort of vaguely Scandinavian chic. And um, but they are distinct retail niches, and I think both of them have carved out good successes. Um, and and for me, the the IKEA store in Ballymun. Like, that was a success waiting to happen. I mean, everybody knew. People were going up to Belfast, going across to the UK to get to IKEA. You kind of had the feeling the moment they opened the doors, it would be jammed. And so it has proved. It's the most successful store in Europe. But East, in a more quiet, local way, is making uh, successes. And they have got very good Irish sales figures as well. So we are a good market for Scandi Chic. Maybe there's a bit of style of it.
1: Interesting as well the way the likes of IKEA, Louisa have changed, you know, the the, even their online service now, you know, the the sort of click and collect. But the way you can also, you know, use their you can design in your in your what you're going to buy before you go to the shop yeah. mm. very clever in terms of somebody refurbishing an apartment yeah. or a house they okay. can get organised and get everything they need mm. all organised before they go in there
2: Yeah, IKEA are all about convenience yeah. So and they will actually help you with that because if you go online and you try and design like a kitchen or a bedroom or a working wardrobe it can be a little bit tricky and I'm sure it's really easy for the designers out there in the world but for us normal folk it can be a little tricky but the IKEA staff will actually help you and they will bring you through that so you can put in the measurement of your space and they will design it for you. They will do the design work and it is it is quite um, a very valuable service that they offer for free to consumers and then as Connor said, you know, once you buy some elements you can add to it, you can replace quite easily, you can improve and there's lots and lots of information online in, re- in relations to IKEA hacks so you can buy the basic foundations and change it up.
1: Um, we we saw two funerals yesterday. We had Chuck mm. Feeney uh, burial in in Glasnevin, a man who gave so much so to much Ireland. So much to Ireland, yeah. And that, oh, excuse me. Then we had this absolute on the money celebration of a life in Nina, yeah, a, in County Tipperary. What a what a send-off Was, it, was for it what a great
0: man. W- w- was it joyful? Can you have a joyful funeral? I, I just thought the tone was wonderful. Um, and, you know, the sense of kind of love and warmth aimed towards Shane McGowan. Um, I, I, I didn't know him. I'd never met him. But it did somehow feel as if we'd kind of Lost our poet laureate in a sense, um, and, and listening again, even to some of the old Pogue stuff, to see the Nick Cave version of that. "Oh, it, yeah. it was the hairs on the back of your neck." Philip
1: but, Philip Nolan has a lovely piece in today's Irish Mail, where I think he captures the spirit of what went on, and he says, in a sense, it seemed as if two traditions had been combined. For the mass was as raucous uh, as a traditional wake, yet also respectful and. Uh, reverential when they, when needed. So. Yeah, and as was Shane McGowan. Yeah.
0: You know, he had moments in his life of pure hell-raising and out-and-out punk and he also had moments of just exquisite sweetness and some of the stuff that he's yeah. written. I mean, it's been said about him that people will still be reading Shane McGowan lyrics and listening to Shane McGowan songs uh, in a hundred years' time, two hundred years' time. Uh, uh, he'll be remembered as a poet. And I thought the tone at the
1: funeral... Yeah, uh, I, was, was, I couldn't agree wonderful. more with yeah. you. I just think it was absolutely spot-on and what a great representation of people who came out, people dancing in the aisles of the church. You know, it just it just really was special. Like something we haven't seen before, I would suggest.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was a very uh, deeply felt experience. And I was watching a lot of the coverage yesterday. I think this piece by Philip Nonal is quite, um, it is quite a beautiful piece that's written about Shane. Um, you know, talking about the... I, I didn't know him at all um, but what comes across through this through his wife and through his sister and his family is that he was actually a very deep thinker he was deeply religious um, and he was really connected to his spirituality but she also clearly said that he absolutely absolutely hated funerals and he really he only went when you know on a needs must this didn't feel like a funeral it yeah. did have the respect that is needed for a funeral but it very much felt like a celebration of life and I think having not known the man but from listening to what his family have said that that may be what he won't no, really,
1: really really good to see uh, finally uh, Connor, uh, finally flying high again an interesting story uh, from Waterford Airport and yeah. their new investors. I love this.
0: I love this. <clears> a new investment in Waterford Airport, a 12 million euro investment they're going to extend the runway. Uh, good for them. Good for them. Uh, it it uh, you know, has potential to serve the the southeast. I think good opportunity for growth there. The investors are a couple of Galway brothers, <clears> the Comers, um, Luke and Brian Comer. They've done very well in property development. Lovely little story. One of the brothers, they never spent a penny on business if they could avoid it. You know, they're really, really sharp like Ryanair themselves. So they always flew Ryanair so he's on a Ryanair flight, mobile to his ear, waiting to close a multi-million euro deal with the stewardess given and briefly. He said, almost kicked off the Ryanair flight um, and, 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 you know, he extirpated himself from that, got the deal through. And now he's back buying the airport. Yeah, um, so not a great Another story. Little, great little success. Well, listen, thank
1: you both for a great review of the papers. Louise and me and Connor Falkland, enjoy your weekend.